You're listening to episode 24 of They See Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we're recording on Saturday, March 17th. And it's been a minute. It's been, yeah, it's been like I was, I was updating our document because we operate off of a Google document. And it's been a full month since the last episode. Like our last episode that we recorded was Saturday, February 17th. Oh my God. So it's been like exactly one month. And you may have noticed we have not put out a second Lord of the Rings episode um, <laughs> because we are trash. I specifically, I think, am more trash in this respect. It's just things have been busy and it's just, it's hard to get. Um, it's a long movie. It is a long movie. It's hard to get time like, together to do it. We are going to do them. Like, it's not that we're not going to do them. It's just we're taking our time. I mean, I need to re Can I tell you the story of the night that I watched The Two Towers for our, for our potential yes. podcasting? Um, I had a drinks thing scheduled that night. So, like, my friend wanted to come back and watch Two Towers with me. And I was like, totally. You can totally come over. We'll watch the movie after we'd had several drinks. And we're sitting in a car. And we're like, she calls her husband to be like, this is what I'm doing. And I hear her on the phone go, no, I know I've never seen Fellowship of the Ring. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, what? Well, why do you want to see the two towers? I was, so then the next 45 minutes are me like drunkenly explaining the plot of Fellowship of the Ring to her. And her poor driver was, I'm sure he was like, oh my God. Like, I don't care about this. <laughs> Wow. So then we like sit down to watch the movie and she's like, this is so cheesy. I didn't think it was going to be so cheesy. And I was like, you need to leave. It's not cheesy. It's wonderful. <laughs> Did you explain to her though, when you were explaining it about the, how the ancient boundaries of Gondor are not the current boundaries <laughs> of Gondor? <laughs> well, she was like, at one point I was like, and that's, I was like, he's from Gondor. And she was like, you're making these names up. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> Have I, have I sent, told this story on the podcast about how my dad calls both Gandalf and Gondor Gandorf? No. Yeah. Maybe. I don't remember. Tell it again. Well, I mean, that's the story. <laughs> that's amazing. That's the story. I mean, there's no real story. I don't know why he does it, but he calls both Gondor and Gandalf Gandorf. Gandorf. Yep. That's my dad. He's, he's quirky. Yeah. If you're listening, Dad, hi. My, my parents, I, I, was telling, I was telling Preezy this. My parents listen to this podcast sometime, and it's always weird because I don't know when they're going to listen, and it, I don't record thinking they're going to listen, but hi, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, but there's been some really great news this past, uh, this past month for Desi people. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So many, like, they see people being cast in big deal and, things. And as leads, not, like, as, like, the sassy best friend. Like, or the nerdy best friend. Yeah. Like, as leads, which is, I like, really amazing. So we've got Rikha Sharma, who's a personal favorite of mine. She was in um, Battlestar Galactica, and she was also in guest starred on Star Trek Discovery. So she is a lead in a new Ursula Le Guin movie, Le Guin movie, uh, the Telling, which I have not read that book, or if I don't even, I will say I'm not super familiar with. I've read a few of Le Guin's books, but not a ton of them. So I, is The Telling a book, or is that like based on a book of a different name? Do you know? <laughs> you are asking the wrong okay. person. All right. <laughs> so, um, but it's good, good news. Like, so we'd be more likely to know the answer to this question. Yeah, good news. But it's good news regardless. <laughs> good um, news. Um, then we have one of our absolute favorites, Tia Sarkar. Uh, who you may know as the voice of Sabine in Star Wars Rebels. She's or also in The Good Place. Good Place. Um, she's going to be in Zach Braff's new show, uh, Alex Inc., as they play a married couple, it looks like. Um, and then that's a kind of older news, but that I think it's there have been production stills or something from it. Like I've started seeing pictures this in the past couple of weeks. But now it feels like they're ramping up the promotion a lot. Yeah. I feel like I'm seeing it a lot. And uh, Preeti, you want to tell us about the next one? So the next one's kind of a really big deal. Um, my brother, Vinny Chipper, who is an actor, who I probably have mentioned before, uh, got cast as a series regular on a new CBS pilot called Redline, which they haven't picked up yet, but it's been announced. The lead is Noah Wiley from ER, and I am very jealous. Yes. <laughs> um, it's got a cool cast. It's produced by Greg Berlanti and Ava DuVernay. Um, 
it looks like it's going to, it's like an, I think it's one of those hour long dramas. Uh, so I'm really excited crossed. about it. Yeah. You know, fingers crossed it gets picked up. You should tell CBS to pick up Redline. Yes. Just even though none of us has ever seen anything. I'm yes. just saying. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Um, another exciting announcement, Sarah U. Blue, who is on No Tomorrow and uh, is in the new movie Cockblock, got cast in a new, I think as of yet, untitled pilot that's produced by Amy Poehler, Julianne Robinson, and Asim Batra. Um, We're not, it sounds like it's gonna be a 22 minute comedy would be my guess. Yeah, I am. She's one of those people I feel like I've seen in like a bunch of different like, uh, like science fiction and type shows. Like I feel like she gets a lot of, I don't know, like I've heard face is so familiar, but I can't remember exactly what I've seen her in. I could probably Mm -hmm. lift it up, but it's more fun to just contemplate. (laughs) Um, And then Hannah Simone. From New Girl. Yeah. Was cast in The Greatest American Hero. Which is a remake of an old show, I think. And then um, Hassan Minaj uh, was, um, he was, ca- like, I guess um, Netflix poached him from The Daily Show, and he's going to be doing a half, I think it's a half hour, like, kind of talk show type thing. And they ordered 30, and it's weekly, they ordered 32 episodes, which is a huge deal, because that shows, That's like, huge. yeah, that shows, like, they really feel strongly about him and what he's going to do when I'm like, it's huge. Like, I mean, I'm so, I love him. We've talked about his stuff before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I really love him. And I'm so I'm really excited to see um, how that turns out. And then you, the new Mundy Kaling show dropped and you've seen it, right? I watched the first episode champions. It started on, um, I think this past week, it's like a, another half hour comedy and she's not in it. She's like a guest starring role, but she's producing and writing, I believe. It centers around, I don't remember the guy's name, one of the guys from Workaholics who was on the Mindy Project too. Um, And she like had a kid with this guy but never told him and shows up in New York as kind of like, you need to take care of him now. So it's like single dad, new son, like hilarity ensues. It was funny. Okay. First episode was fine. I would pick it up. I'll probably keep watching it because I love a 22 minute sitcom. Um, and the uh, main character, the son, looks strangely he like looks so much like Lin Manuel Miranda. It is uncanny. He is, and it's not just because the kid is like really into musicals, and he's there to like actually go to a super fancy um, theater art, like art school or whatever. He there's a scene in one of the previews where he's wearing that like. Um, sweater that Lin-Manuel Miranda has you everyone knows the one if you know who Lin-Manuel Miranda is odds are you know what sweater I'm talking about but the kid is wearing a sweater that looks exactly like that sweater and I'm like where did you come from how did they find a miniature Lin-Manuel Miranda he does to be on the show? look a lot like Lin-Manuel it's super Miranda. weird it is uncanny <laughs> um Okay, and we've probably forgotten some here and there, but there's just been so many great. There's it's just been a lot of great news for um, South Asian people, and it's really exciting. Um, and then wanted to also shout out: there's a new Desi podcast. Um, it's yes. from Priya Aurora, um, and it's called Queering Desi, and it's about uh, the you know queer. South Asian female experience. Um, and it's being done in, in partnership with Brown Girl Magazine, which is, if you haven't heard of it, it's a kind of South magazine that also focuses on the South Asian female experience. Um, so anyway, Queering Desi, um, de- I'm, def- I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. And I think more um, Desi podcasts is always a good thing. Like, yes. It's like it's always like we need more of this. So it's... Um, really awesome news so congratulations to Priya congratulations to Priya and to everyone who is like kicking ass basically yeah and like and and I'm just really happy for any you know like um LGBT you know South Asian people who are like I can see here finally hear myself represented in a podcast like it's nice it's nice to have that feeling like oh there's this new thing that's going to represent me or my experience it's cool so it's very cool um Let's talk and about that new like yeah, Desi news, but still fun news. The new Infinity War trailer dropped. I cannot wait. Like I, my excitement for this movie is not at Star Wars level because that would be blasphemy, but it is nearing. 
Star it's, Wars it's level. It's funny, like, I've, I've been swinging kind of, like, back and forth between, which is what happened with um, Captain America Civil War, too, where I was like, okay, like, this could be fun. And then I got, like, really, really excited when we finally got to see Spider-Man. But this is another one where, like, the first teaser was just so, like, whoa, like, so much stuff. I couldn't even get a yeah. handle on it. But this, the trailer that dropped yesterday is so good. It was really good. It was like, and they moved the date, so the date is earlier. Yeah. To um, April 27th. I believe, yeah. And um, there's just so much going on. And, like, just, I mean, with the sheer number of characters, like, you, it, it, that's, I mean, if nothing else, that's why they had to break it into two parts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, there's clearly so much going on. I'm so excited that... It looks like the final battle is going to take place um, in Wakanda, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah. It's I, – I don't know what to – I feel like Marvel is decent sometimes at subverting our expectations based on what we see in the trailer. Yeah. And so I don't really know what to expect necessarily, but – I think there's a reason that all the scenes we – pretty much – there's a few new ones, but pretty much all the scenes we saw in the trailer – um, in this trailer are immediately preceding or immediately after scenes from the previous trailer. Because if, yeah. if you think about how much You're of the true. movie we've yeah. seen, it's the same scenes over and over again. It's just mm-hmm. different parts of the same scenes. So I think they're doing a good job of kind of keeping the mystery. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I did. The two, the, the two things that I loved a lot, of course, were I love the like exchange with Peter and Dr. Dr. Strange. Strange. And, yes. And, whatever doctor strange i loved that moment and i love that uh, doctor strange just is like uh like i am not a, i was not a fan of benedict cumberbatch's doctor strange I'm not a fan of like just generally just not a fan yeah but he like the look he just gave peter was really good it was like the the patented like why is this child yeah. superhero talking to me yeah <laughs> like, it was really good it was very doctor strange <laughs> i really enjoyed that and i actually really loved the sequence of um bearded cap like fighting thanos with and the infinity glove you don't often see chris evans as captain america like with rage he tends to be like a fighter who is like i am right i am correct and so everything i do is with the perspective of like i am doing good work yeah but it's not usually emotion focused very dispassionate yeah and so that sequence of that scream, oh, I loved it. I was like, yes! <laughs> I have heard, ru- not rumors, I've heard theories that people think he's going to die. I've, I've heard that a lot, and I don't disagree necessarily. I think they're going to make him old. I would love that. I mean, I would love, really, like you said, cat. I think people are going to have to die if only because the Marvel Universe is too freaking big at this point. People are either going to have to die or retire like, yeah. I mean, like Hawkeye, I mean, I would be surprised, honestly, if they didn't bring him back for this movie for even just a scene. But um, I don't think like I people are going to have to either die or retire because they're trying to pass on the torch at this point after this. Yeah. Movie, and yeah. it's just too big and too expensive at this point. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking I'm forward excited. to it. I'm I got excited. my tickets. Um, Ryan's yeah. in. Um, he's traveling that week for work and um, I told him the day it comes out, and he's like, I think I'm traveling. I'm like, well, I'm going without you then. <laughs> like, I am not waiting. I'm not waiting, but it turns out he's coming back, like, Friday during the day. So I was like, okay, I can wait from Thursday night to Friday night. Like, that I can do. I can just stay off Twitter so, for yeah. the one day. So. We'll probably have our episode up that weekend. That weekend, we'll hopefully. Weekend. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all so right. that's our news. So now we're going to our main things for this um, episode are Star Wars Rebels and A Wrinkle in Time. So we're going to start with Rebels. And I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of give a, a you know, this is um, like a th- our non-spoilery thoughts on kind mm-hmm. of the series and the fin- series finale. Um, and we'll put the show notes or the timestamp in the show notes. Sorry, I can't talk today. God. Um, timestamp in the show notes. And then um, that way, if you haven't seen it yet or you're wondering whether the entire series is worth watching now that the finales come out, um, you can get our non-spoilery thoughts um, without having everything spoiled for you okay so just overall as like a season one to season four arc what did you think i loved it yeah i (laughs) i i I knew you were gonna say that i mean i no surprise here (laughs) 
Um, I did too. I had some reservations. Like we've talked, like we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, without going into too many details, I think it ended up, and actually Brian, um, he on Twitter, he's Lane Winry. And if you like, like Star Wars stuff, you absolutely should follow him because he has some really interesting insights. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Brian pointed out, and I agree with him that this started out kind of as a found family type story and it continued that story for sure, but kind of grafted onto it um, a continuation of the stories in Clone Wars. Yes. And it stopped, like, at the beginning, it was just homages and in-jokes, and by the end, it was, like, just the full-fledged t- like continuing the story. both. Yeah, and if you haven't, it's still watchable, but you are missing a lot. Like, I would yeah. say you're not getting, like, half of the stuff out of it that you would have if you had seen Clone Wars. And I don't necessarily have a big, I don't think, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because as somebody who loves grand, bold storytelling, I think the storytelling in this was excellent. Um, And I think that it was a continuation of the team that didn't, behind Clone Wars, it was their continuation of the stories they weren't able to finish on their own terms. And I am glad to see that as a fan of Clone Wars, but as a person who really wants things to be accessible and Uh to not tie, like... for a lot of people, I have encouraged, oh, you don't need to see Clone Wars, just pick up Rebels. And now I'm like, oh, I wish I had just told you to go watch Clone Wars. But then that's like asking someone to watch five or six seasons. It's six seasons, but I did find a list. Because Clone Wars, I think the difference between Clone Wars and Rebels is that you don't have to watch every single episode no, of don't. Clone Wars. There's a lot of filler There's in there, whereas... There's not a ton of filler in Rebels. No, there's, like, a like couple of episodes a season that are one-offs. But. Yeah, but, like, overall, there's a, like, long-running story throughout the four seasons. So I did find a list oh. of Clone Wars episodes that some kind person um, put together of recommended Clone Wars episodes if you're going to watch Rebels. Because there are a few necessary arcs. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. I want to look at that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause um, I've been thinking of rewatching Clone Wars and rewatching all the Rebels, but I'm like, I don't, there are some episodes in Clone Wars that drag. I'm not going to lie. Oh I'm my like, God. I, I don't want to watch, especially I in the first season, the first couple of seasons where it's just like rebel, like the, uh, Republic and the separatists, like going after yeah. different systems. It's just like, Oh my God. Yes. I mean, it's good. The, the great thing about Clone Wars, I like that we started this Rebels, but like as evidence, we have to talk about Clone yeah. Wars is that it just gives you the emotional impact you needed and maybe didn't get from the movies. Yeah. Yeah. It it gives the movies emotional impact, I would say. Like, I have a very different experience having watched, like, our rewatch of the trilogy um, is, I think, the first time I'd rewatch, or the prequel trilogy for this podcast is the first time I'd watched them since... um, Watching Clone Clone Wars. Wars, And my reaction to them was very different than Mm -hmm. than previously. Um, okay, so I think that's kind of a non-spoilery, so we're going to get into spoilers now, so if you, um, you know, stop listening, fast forward, <laughs> if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> okay, so now, spoilery, what did you think? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my gosh, okay. Um, yeah, I so know. <laughs> I, this is the thing, it's like this deep breath, because it's four years, which I recently started rewatching the first season. Um, in the last couple of days, actually, of Rebels. And the characters came so far. But, like, in that really wonderful way where you don't notice the growth as it happens. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, you go from... Ezra has always been one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Maybe he was my not one of mine at the beginning. I know. Everybody gave me so much shit for liking Ezra. And I just want to point out that he became uh, wonderful. But I am a sucker for a coming of age story like I love it so Ezra's whole story is coming of age and balance and all of those things and so I really really loved his arc and his growth and I really liked how Dave Filoni handled him existing in the same universe where Luke Skywalker is the last Jedi and the and the savior of um the rebels yeah because I agree. that was a big question, right? How can Ezra exist in a world where we have the original trilogy that tells us one story? Yeah. 
Yeah. They, I think they did a good job of like, like I know that epilogue was jarring. I loved it. I loved, but I loved it. it. Yeah. And I don't often say that about epilogues, but I did really, really love this one to give us what we needed without necessarily grossly shifting the relationship we already have to Star Wars. Yeah. My issue with the, um, with the finale, I guess, okay, my issue with the finale is kind of my issue with the whole, the series as a whole. So I, I rewatched it because um, Ryan had never seen it and I'd been talking mm-hmm. about it and talking about it and talking about it. So finally he was like, okay, well, let's watch it together. So I rewatched it before this, like, like two months ago. I, we just binge watched the whole thing longer than that but still we binge watched the whole um series and a i was struck by how good the long form storytelling is yes serial storytelling is so good and you just don't can kind of realize it in these 30 minute chunks but the serial storytelling in this is so good a but b it's Starts becoming, um, and it kind of starts halfway through season one. There's kind of two stories going along, and one is the rebellion, and the other is kind of force lore. And these stories diverge and come together over the course of the series. Um, and I think people, from the chatter I've seen about the finale, people engaged with one or another, but not necessarily both at the same time. I think you're one of the rare people that engage with both at the same time. Right. Um, I liked the Force lore a lot more than I liked the kind of found family rebel story. I liked that story. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't, but I was invested in the Force lore. Like, I was invested in, like, what is this? What is happening? Like, that is what kept me coming back. Um, week after week versus if it had just been the found family story, I would have probably just binge watched it all at once and not worried about watching it episode to episode. And I yeah. think, so I think that last, for example, for me and for Ryan in that last episode, we were both like, are we were both like, I am so disappointed because like it all dealt with, it wrapped up the, you know, one story very well without giving any, and of course Force is an ongoing story. I mean, you, there's never going to be any closure on a story like that, no matter how big this universe gets, because it's an no, ongoing story. Not. But some closure as to what happened or some explanations, because they delved, like with the, the second, I think the second last episode where Ahsoka comes back, they delve really deep into Force lore. So, oh my God. Like, then they introduce so many new concepts and that just kind of leave you hanging. And, like, there's no explanation and no, like, it's so, like, they delve really deep into the Mortis stuff, which, if you were confused by the Mortis stuff and haven't watched Clone Wars, you can just watch the three episode Mortis arc of Clone Wars. Yeah. And that is, like, where all that stuff is introduced. But, like, there was so much going on, and I don't feel like we got a lot of explanation for that until the epilogue where it was like, all right, well you don't get a lot of explanation, but you get some closure at least. Yes. So, um, so yeah. I mean, the force lore stuff is interesting because if you think about the original trilogy, where literally nothing is explained. No. Like there's no explanation. There's a grand tradition in star Wars of introducing concepts with no, that have no explanation because the minute they tried to give us explanation, like midi chlorians, which, midichlorians were an explanation of where the force might come from everyone was like "Uh uh-uh no 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 thank you yeah we're not interested in this because that's too scientific we don't star wars is magic not science exactly star wars is a fantasy and so to introduce like reasoning like whatever behind the stuff is it, it loses the magic somehow, and that's not something you want. Whereas in introducing the like lore and the mythology behind it is fascinating because that's open to interpretation. Yeah. We don't know what any of that, even when you watch the Clone Wars Mortis arc. And you have no idea what's the, going like, on. You don't know what's going on before or after the arc. You know that there are, there are like, um, narrative devices used that you can understand but you don't know what they mean yeah which is religion which is what the jedi use the force for or not use the force for but that's where the force is interwoven into the like pathology right. of the jedi is in religion so using that 
perspective and taking it into the rebels, Filoni just like continually has been building upon the mythology of the force in this really interesting and loose way. And in I a way, yeah. I was just gonna say, I love yeah. the direction he takes it. Cause he takes it in such a mystical, fascinating direction. And I love it. And what's interesting is that that's how the Jedi use the force. Like the pathology behind the Jedi way of the force is that it's a religion and the force is interwoven into that religion. Yeah. And so Filoni building these small pieces that can be contextualized and decontextualized into whatever sort of story you want to make of it is very much how religion exists. And that is fascinating because he's literally creating a religion and a mythology in real time for us to watch. Right. But using characters who are having to use it in the same way we are. Right. Like they don't know the difference. They don't, we're, it's very much like putting us in the position of the characters. It's fascinating storytelling. Right. It is. And I think it's actually very effective. Like I think he does a really good job giving you just enough information to where you're like, Whoa, what is going on? But not so much where you're frustrated by the lack of explanation. But I, that being said, I think if he hadn't had that epilogue at the, if they hadn't done that epilogue at the end of the finale, I would have been frustrated because it's like, Oh yeah. You have to ha- you have to show that those threads are going somewhere. It's not yes, so much I that I need an explanation for them, but I need to know that they are heading somewhere and you've got some sort of plan to continue unfolding all this. Well, yes, yeah, story-wise in terms of the characters themselves and what they physically experience on screen, there needs to be a narrative there. Yeah. But the pieces like like introducing all this stuff in um the penultimate episode with the time travel and the like, which was like, what the hell is yeah. happening? And we, we've the, known that the Jedi can see through time, but yeah, like, we've seen vision, we've heard of visions. visions and stuff like that, but like, this is like actual like time travel. It's like, a, it's a space. Yeah. Which is, which is it a, sp- like, that's the question. Was any of that like quote unquote real? Was that actually a physical space? Was like Ezra alone in a cavern? you know what I mean like and was like he did his like for self trans you know do you know what like there's so many questions and it's so interesting it is it's it's really interesting I mean to introduce this it's like I said it's like it's a building block that that whole scene was a building block in a mythology so it's just fascinating because like you know with the new wave of canon with Disney deciding like we're going to define what Star Wars canon is that means like you're almost starting over from the like decades of books and research and all of these things that we've gotten. That's what w- legends they're calling yeah. it legends. Right. Right. So like everything exists, but because of the nature of the beast and the retroactive storytelling and all of these things, we're cobbling it together as it's happening. Yeah. So I, I think there were pieces of, in terms of narrative, of story, I mean, I'm still sad about Kanan. Yeah. It had to happen. It it's had to. Classic, classic Star Wars, classic hero myth. Everyone had knew it happen. was going to happen, but it was still hard to see. It was still hard to watch. It was still really sad. Um, I know, do you want to talk about Hera? Yeah, I've, I've expressed some dis, dissatisfaction, let's say, with the way her arc went. Um, I feel like she started out the series as this, she's, she was the leader at the beginning of the mm-hmm. series. And yeah. She was the leader of the, you know, she was the, unarguably. And by the end, she was... Like, there's one thing to, like, let the younger people plan and grow and find confidence in their... There's one in terms of, like, allowing them to take charge because they need to learn how. And there's another with allowing them to change charge because she can't or she doesn't, you know, yeah. doesn't want to. And it felt like more the doesn't want to can't side of it than the other, which... I mean, like, literally, I feel like the animation of her was basically just looking worried and biting her lip the, like, the entire fourth season. Like, not just, like, the finale. Like, her arc has been, like, ever since her kind of thing with Thrawn, like, she hasn't been the same. And I don't know if there's a reason for that that they didn't go into, but I was disappointed that she didn't 
get the chance to face off against him. Like, there's a lot around her character that I would have liked more of. It's, yeah, it's hard because it's an ensemble. It's, because we were, I she was, just lost the love of her life. Like, I don't right. want to, like, diminish the fact that she was grieving. Right. But she... And they had to show grief and they had to show all of those things. But, but I feel like, like she like got the said, episode or two to do that, but then never kind of pulled, like, never... back. Right. Which may, you I, know, that might be a realistic portrayal of grief, but, like, that's not, I feel like, the character, the way she's been written. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We did get a lot of Sabine. We got a lot of, which I love. I love, I mean, I keep going back to this, but going back to the beginning and you see the way these characters have grown in four years. It's amazing. Yeah. This the storytelling is just amazing in how they got from point A to point B. And, like, and just the deepening of the relationship between Sabine and Ezra. Because it's not yes. necessarily romantic, but it's just this, no. like, like, this... It's respect in, and, and love. And trust. In a, and trust, right. In these, like, whatever version of that it may be, like, those things exist within their relationship. And it's just really lovely to see. Yeah. Um, and, of course the promise of more story with Ahsoka is amazing. Uh, I wrote an like, article what? for sci-fi on like oh. on the, um, on what we want to see Ahsoka, like where we want to see her next. And like, I cried while I was writing it because like, I want, I want so much more for that character. And like, I feel like she just gets to be a side character in other stories and doesn't often get to be the, like the center character in her own story. Yeah. Yes. I want it. I want that for her. I want it so badly. And she's such a beloved character that it's interesting to me that they haven't done it. And I think it's on um, purpose that they haven't done it. Right. Like, I it don't feels- think it's that they, de- de- they don't value the character enough. I think it's that they value the character so much that they want to figure out how to best use her. And sparingly is often the best way because it keeps her mystery a little bit and there's a, that right. there's a lot to fill in later and keeps her open. But we're going on five years since Ahsoka has had a series that truly showcased who she is and her story. And it's at some point, it's like, you have to give us more. Yeah, Like there was a really excellent, like EK Johnston novel, Ahsoka. I would love to mm-hmm. see more books. One of my um, things was I'd love to see, like, what happened. She was on Malachor for years, years? three years. Like, what happened to her on Malachor? Give us a comic series about that. Um, Give us this Sabine Ahsoka go look for Ezra story. Because according to Dave Filoni, both Ezra and Thrawn did survive. So where are Mm -hmm. they? Are they together? Are they, like, buds now trying to survive? Like, what? Like What's the deal? What's What's happening? Um, And having... At some point, like, I understand that the nature of Star Wars is that there are the movies, there's, then there's the extended universe. But Ahsoka had such a deep relationship with Anakin that they have to pull in the rest of the Skywalkers and their relationship to Ahsoka at some point. Right. Like, one of the scenes I wrote that I want to see is I want to see Luke going to Ahsoka and, like, acknowledging their relationship and the importance yes. of the, this person to his father. Because at the end of the day, Luke can cry all he wants about his dad, but he didn't even know his dad. This is a person. Right. Ahsoka, like, was, like, Anakin's little sister. Like Ahsoka is the last person alive who truly knew and connected with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And so like, um, I would just, I want to, see, I want to see in between them where he like tells her about like the redemption. She deserves it. She does. and they, she, she deserves the, it. She gets the chance to like mourn, you know, because she did have her chance to mourn Anakin when she thought he was dead all those years, but then had to grapple with, no, he survived and this is what he became. And I just want her to get right. the chance, like that closure. And I want to see it. And, and I, like, you know, they're going to do fill in, um, books now that we know what happened to Luke, they're going to start doing fill-in books, and I want one of those books to have a scene like that. Yeah. Yes. So, Or, you know, there's no reason Ahsoka can't show up in episode 9. I'm just saying. I was, there's no reason for Yeah, it. yeah. No, agreed. Like, having her show up, and she's not a Jedi. She left the Jedi Order. So, that's not an her issue. Her doesn't negate the title of the last movie, just let her be there. 
She can be really old, but let her be there. And there's nothing, and people keep telling me, like, when I say things like this, that, oh, she's too old. How do you know? Like, Chewie's been alive for three trilogies. Seriously. Like, like, we don't know. I don't think that it has been established how long Tegru to live. Like, why can't they be longer-lived species? There's no reason for it. Justice for Ahsoka. I know. Everybody, like, just on the record, we love Ahsoka and we want more Ahsoka. Yes. Um... Zeb and Callus. Oh my god. Okay, so I have to talk about this a little bit because like I was so there is a big fandom around Zeb and Callus that I didn't know. Yeah, this. which which was a big deal because Preeti didn't know about this, but I knew about it. I think because they talked about it, the Rebels panel at Celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's a big fandom around like Zeb and Callus being a couple. And so one of the jokes during um the panel was that for because that's when they announced that season four would be the last season that uh, Zeb and Callus were going to retire together on a planet and start a family and like the crowd like whooped and whatever and they basically did except they did start a family and I'm so like I'm just like make it explicit like it wouldn't have been hard it's where you're like children's media companies just need to be better yep they but just I am need glad, to be better. I, am, I, I did love that ending for them, that he, like, went to yeah. Lhasa and they, like, accepted him and he realized he hadn't actually killed all of them. Um, a little uncomfortable with how fully Callus has been redeemed, given how... Yes. You know what I mean? I'm a little uncomfortable with that, but I'm just going to put yes. that aside because, like, you know, I it want, does, I want there is, to be redemption for people, even for people who do terrible things, but that doesn't mean we forget about the terrible things they did or that like, those things don't matter. Tell us that, like, he didn't commit a genocide is thank you for letting us know. Because that was hard. Yeah. But, but, doesn't, but it also doesn't mean that, like, it doesn't I don't negate know. That was, that was his intention to commit a genocide. Right. So, exactly. like, it doesn't, it doesn't negate the action or the intent. Right. But as a viewer, it makes you feel a little better. Right. Um, seven cows, who else have we... I think that's, I think that's everyone. Yeah, I do wish that we'd gotten a glimpse of not. I don't know. No, that's not true. Not a glimpse. I wish we'd gotten mention of the characters that they knew. You know what I mean? Of the characters that the ghost crew knew in. Um, like Lando or like oh, Leia right. and just like an acknowledgement of like, Oh, these are people we knew and we didn't realize were going to be big deals. And Oh my God, they were actually really big deals in the rebellion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just a recognition of like, like in the epilogue, like I yes, wish we'd gotten like a, a, like the ghost at Scarif. Cause the ghost is at Scarif. Like I wish we'd yeah. gotten that like in the epilogue. Yeah. I like mean, we had shot. a comment that like she fought in the battle of Endor or like whatever. But just, just I know that there that people want these to be con, like distinct series, but they are in the world. But I don't, like, I don't they, think I don't think as long as they don't rely on one another to be understood, there's no reason you can't mention connections. Yeah, I you know agree. what I mean. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was if if you okay. So having listened to all this, and I don't know why you would still be if you hadn't, if you watched, hadn't it. watched it. <laughs> but if you haven't watched it and you've heard us spoil the whole thing, yep, um, watch it. It is one hundred percent worth it. Um, we'll put that list of um, we'll put that in the show notes. The list of Clone Wars episodes because I do rec- really recommend you watch that. You get so much more out of it. I think if you have watched the Clone Wars, um. And yeah, that's yeah. that's Rebels. Okay, good. I'm sad it's over. Yeah, I and can't wait for more. And I can't. I, I there's gonna be. I mean, they're gonna have more. Dave Filoni's already kind of hinted he's working on like the next Ahsoka story. He's hinted things. He will not confirm anything. No, which is frustrating as hell. But unsurprising. But, so. but unsurprising. So they're working on something. God knows when it'll happen and when it'll. Whatever. If we get an Ahsoka Sabine like buddy cop series, I'm, I'm gonna be super it. psyched about yeah. it. Um. Okay. So next, we're going to talk about Wrinkle in Time, and we are going to do this a little differently 
than usual because um, I have not seen it because I am trash. No, it's just been a really bad couple of weeks for me and um, I just haven't had a chance and we don't want to put off this discussion any longer because it wouldn't be timely. So what we're going to do instead is Preeti saw it and I'm going to ask her questions (laughs) about it because given the discussion that has been going around, I think that's really important to talk about like the movie, its merits and why it's important as it is and not as what people want it to be. Right. Okay. So basically, what did you think? I liked it. And I'm going to say that I liked it in a way that I love A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel. I've read that book a thousand times. I, you know, I read it when I was a kid. I read the series when I was a kid. I still have the copy. I have my brother's copy, my older brother's copy, which is that like really creepy um, winged centaur yes. thing yeah. on the cover with, and, and the like, uh, it behind it with the red eyes. And it's like really scary. Um, from, and it says like my brother's handwriting, like Vinny age seven. It's very cute, but like, I love this book. So I liked the movie as a fan of the book. I liked that this was truly truly a Disney movie made for children. Like this movie was for nine-year-olds. This movie was not for nine-year-olds and adults. Yeah. Okay. So this, and this is actually my big question because people talk a lot about, people have been talking a lot about how it's, you know, not good or whatever. And you are a per you work, your day job is working with kids literature and kids books and picking up books that are good for kids. Like, you know, a lot about this. So like, how was it basically like, what does it mean that it was for kids and not for adults? Like in terms of the storytelling, in terms of like, like what, because like, there's a lot of discussion about what people, like people didn't like it, but it's either I didn't like it and I don't want to talk about it or I hated it and here are the racist reasons why. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's not there's a consensus yes. that it's not quite like it is maybe more for kids, but no one's talking about why. It's funny because it's not a perfect film. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of like there were some weird decisions. There were some there were some like plot decisions that I like they wrote out Aunt Beast. The Aunt Beast sequence like doesn't exist. Okay. She has a cameo and that's it, which I think I'm like it's on beast. That whole sequence is so important. It would have added a solid like 30 minutes onto the plot, I think, which, which is, is a key because why. again, like children's movies are short because children have short attention spans. Like you don't necessarily want your kid sitting in the theater for two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm making allowances for what they did. I just think it's interesting that like this movie is not black Panther. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't need to represent all of these ideas that exist within the racial history of this country. Yeah. It can exist as a film that has, like, race matters because if you are putting a black or a brown kid in a story, you have to recognize what it's like for that kid. Yeah. Because of the color of their skin or the texture of their hair. But you or like can acknowledge whatever. that without it being about that. Exactly. So I think that's part of maybe some people's reaction to it. Um, I don't know. I thought that because it's shorter, it's, it's simple. The story is simple. It's a hard book to translate to film yeah. because it is very like heady. It is very, it's very like a lot of, information, which is hard to translate onto a screen. Um, but the basic story is really simple. It's about love and it's about that love conquering hate. Yeah. In a very sappy and a very like overt sort of way. Like it's not subtle. Um, and the kids are great in it. It had a lot of special effects. It had a lot of bright colors. It was visually, like, stunning. But also, like, if I was, like, a kid, I would have been, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, right. all the flowers. I, I thought immediately, of course, like, there's this whole sequence where there are, like, alien flowers that can speak. And they gossip. And I thought about Alice in Wonderland. 
Yeah. Like Disney's Alice in Wonderland from the 60s where she has those flowers that she has to talk to. And they're these like gossipy assholes, basically. And so that, which I loved when I was a kid, because Howard, of course, like what an, what a funny way to think about an inanimate living thing and giving it a, a culture and like, a um, characteristics that make it more human. And like, as a child, you're like, Oh, this is so cool. Like this is imagination on the screen. Right. Right. And that's a very kid thing to do. Like imagining mm-hmm. the flowers have personalities and yeah, it's, it's doing, so it did a lot of that. Um, they spoke to the children, you know, it's, it's up to the children to save the day. Yeah. Yeah. Miss who, Mrs. Witch and, and Mrs. What's that can't do it. They, they don't have the capability to stay on Kamazots. Yeah. And yeah. so it's about the children. It's about the children saving their father. It's about, I don't know. It just, it just, to me was like, if I was a child and I'd seen this, I would have loved it. I know I would have loved it. And, um, kids think at a different, they think, they make decisions more slowly than adults, especially Mm -hmm. serious decisions. So I would imagine a movie like this would reflect, maybe move at a slower pace than, yeah, and and the Avengers, like, yes, you have Meg, Meg, who in the book and in on, on screen is uncertain and her self-esteem is hurting and she's angry and she's sad and like she has to deal with all these things while these while the story is telling her that she needs to be the hero and you know that's part of the reason that you need that aunt b sequence really is that aunt b sequence is where meg really comes into her own and okay so let's say somebody's seen the movie but hasn't seen the book um so or read the book so there's a sequence on Kamazots where Charles Wallace has been overtaken by it. He, you know, um, they can't get through to him because he is fully, he thought he could beat it and he couldn't do it. Um, and so Meg's father, Dr. Murray, tessers them away because they're all hurt. There's no way they can win. He tessers them away to the planet where our beast is, but Meg was hurt the worst. So she needs the most caring and she wakes up and it's this whole sequence where she's so upset and she's so angry that her father would take them away that all these things and aunt beast who's this alien who cares for meg and brings her back from the brink kind of solidifies and helps her understand that she needs to be the one to save charles murray and it has to be about her love for him because the only thing that can counter hate and emptiness is love and it's where meg finds herself and becomes herself basically the hero of the story that they've been telling her that she needs to be. So it's, it's a little hard because it shifts so quickly in the movie where Dr. Murray tries to get them out and Meg makes a conscious decision to stay, which some would argue shifts the character. Like she doesn't have that push. She just figures it out, which Mm -hmm. is a little different, but I get it. I understand there's like a for t- time constraint as well as right. you know, um, like I, but with people like comparing this and Black Panther, Black Panther, while it's an amazing movie, it deals very directly with the history and pain of race, like very in a pain, like it, it, it times it is painful, and it mm-hmm. acknowledges that that is a very, and in some ways I feel like people, it, it's an extension into movies. Of any movie, like comparing these two, any movie that is directed by a black person or has black main characters has to be a painful story. Do you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Like, because like yes. this is something I complain about all the time with adult um, Indian literature. Every any Indian, ad- almost any Indian adult story, there's very little genre um, South Asian stories that are for adults. Um, mm-hmm. it's mostly all literary fiction and those literary fiction stories are heartrending and heartbreaking and all about pain and suffering because mm-hmm. those are the only stories that get published. And it's like, why do the only stories about people who look like me, why are they all just about pain? And I feel like it's the yep. same thing, but extending into movies and that's not the way this should be. Like a kid should be able to see themselves on the screen in Meg Murray without having to deal like, and sure, acknowledge the struggles of, you know, of course, of 
like I've I read somewhere that she has um, some issues with her hair. Meg Murray. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's not it's it was done so subtly and so just like recognizing that this is a thing that's real. And like you can do it very subtly and incorporate in this case the black experience or the south you know whatever experience you're trying to incorporate without dwelling on the pain. And it's just yes. really frustrating to see people pitting these movies against each other because besides the fact that they have black directors and black characters they have nothing in common. No, they're 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 both like genre. Yeah, but they're for different. They're different age levels, different audiences, different it's stories. Like, yes, children can experience and enjoy Black Panther, but that movie, I, that movie's PG thirteen, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm pretty sure A Wrinkle in Time is like G or maybe PG. Like, there's for- different age levels that are expected to experience and enjoy these films. They were made with different age levels in mind, and black. Like, they're both Disney, but they're both different audiences yeah in terms of age level it's like when you're talking about books like of course a seven-year-old if they have the reading level can read as high as they want but if they don't have the like experience or basis they may not get the thematics behind an older book yeah and like vice versa like whatever so this is like if Black Panther's the young adult movie which is made for like slightly older children like Wrinkle in Time is the like middle grade novel it's like for like that book is right that book is a middle grade book it is for kids who are like eight to twelve and so the movie is very much for children and it's for children who are now who are now themselves and this amazing story where like a young black girl saves the day and saves her brother and saves her family yeah i do want to point out because i freaking love calvin o'keefe oh my god like the kid who plays Calvin is so cute and like so like this dopey lovelorn puppy that just so deeply is clearly like head over heels for Meg. Oh, his he's he says the whole movie with this like kind of like little smir- like smile on his face every time he looks at her and he's just like constantly like you're amazing. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I like couldn't handle it. And like the little kid who played Charles Wallace was really good. Um, I should have a cast list up, but I don't. I only know Storm Reed's name who played Meg and was just like really enjoyable to watch. Like she had all those insecurities on screen because really what made Meg such an iconic character for a lot of young girls growing up, I think, is that they related really deeply to not feeling like you fit in, yeah. not feeling like you're accomplished feeling so average and mundane, especially when you have family members who are like your parents are superstar physicists and you're struggling to keep a C average, you know, like all of these different things. And so Storm Reed just really inhabited that and really like put it on screen. Um, I will say my two biggest issues with the movie were one they never said Fortinbras name out loud. I've actually heard m- multiple people uh, say that. The dog. What a good name for yeah. a dog, and they never say it out loud. And then the other thing is that they don't include like what is I would say like one of the most iconic sequences in the book, which is showing um, the illustration. The book only has like one illustration in it, and this is it. And showing you what a tesseract is by having an ant crawl against crawl across a piece of screen string that you bring together to show that that's what a wrinkle in time is yeah like pulling the time stream down and putting your fingers together so the ant can jump across without having to traverse the string yeah so like if that was injured there was like a some sort of 3d model version of they did in the background at some point but i really wanted to see the like actual thing um oprah was amazing of course of course I love her. The costume. Oh, was just, yeah. Like, like, everybody looked so cool. Reese Witherspoon was great. Mindy was great. Um, There's a weird moment where, like, you know, Mrs. Who's whole thing is that she speaks in quotes. Mm-hmm. And so she quotes Winston Churchill. Which I was like, oh, you have the, like, South Asian character quoting Winston Churchill. Like, okay, I get it, but it's still a little weird. Um, but it was just... It was just, like, magical. It was just magical. Like, it was a magical movie, and I liked it. 
I didn't, it's not for me. Yeah. So it's but that's okay. That I, I think this is something that audiences have, a lot of audiences just do not understand that not every movie has to be for you. Exactly. Like you can enjoy a movie and acknowledge that this was not for me and you can not enjoy a movie and acknowledge it's because it's not for you. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. Like there are plenty of things that I'm like, I'm not into it. I understand there's an audience for it, but it's not yes. for me. And that's I, I am like that with a lot of things. Honestly, I'm very kind of picky about the, about media and like, there's a lot of things I can just be like, look, I acknowledge it exists. Like, I feel like you're like that a little bit with Star Trek. Yeah. Like it's just not your thing and you acknowledge it's right. great and that other people like it, but it's just not for you. And that's, I feel like like that needs to be okay. And I feel, I wish people would be more okay with not everything being for them. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for, it's harder for some than others. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, there. wrinkle in time. Totally. If you have kids, take your kids to go see it. It's Really, do you pretty. think younger kids wouldn't like young young kids would enjoy just the colors and stuff? It's a little scary at okay. some points. Actually, not as scary as the book. Like the whole it sequence on Kamazots is. Terrifying. It's in the book. It's like super yeah. scary, right? Yeah. The movie's not okay. The movie's not that scary. Like, it, I like, wonder if, like, my nephew would enjoy who's, like, he's uh, going to be three. Like, I wonder if he would enjoy, like, just, like, the who, what's it, like, Mrs. Who, which is, like, the bright colors Maybe. I think there's a lot of, like, contemporary stuff that he'd be really bored by. Maybe if he was, like, six. So wait until it comes out and then just show him, like, two scenes. Yeah. Show him all the scenes with, with the three of them uh, on the different planets. Um... Okay, so that's a wrinkle in time. Yeah. Um, all right, so now wrapping up. So the things we love, what do you love? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So two, two avenues through which I have been spending my time lately are through sitcoms, as usual, and cartoons, because I also love cartoons. Sitcoms, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is coming back tomorrow, and I'm super excited because if you're not watching this show, it is amazing. It is, like, truly ensemble, truly, like, the jokes are always funny, always like they never something that I'm not sure we've talked about on the show before, but the importance of comedy of not punching down. Yeah. Like you always punch up, right? Like you always punch up. You always like, and Brooklyn nine, nine is very good at that. In addition to other shows that I've been digging are superstore, which is if you've ever worked in any type of retail industry or service industry, like, watch this show. It is so real. It is just about employees in a big box, like, like retail store. And it's hilarious. Um, and then speechless, which is about a kid with cerebral palsy, actually employing an actor with cerebral palsy, uh, and kind of the, the comedy that you find in a life, in a family that it, that exists like that. And it's, they have, you know, disabled writers on staff. They are, so that's why the jokes are good and the jokes are not about the thing. They are about the experience, which I think is what makes it yeah. funny. There's humor in any situation, but it, yes. there's, it's, are you making fun of the person or are you making fun of the, like, like there's of the, of the absurdity of what happens in life. Right. Like, and that is universally relatable as well. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't have that. Um, right. Okay, uh, let's see. Really quickly, the cartoons. Naruto, I don't know why, but I recently like got back into watching Naruto. And like I know how it ended. I, I it's like my longest running fandom other than like Harry Potter is Naruto. It looks really daunting because it's so many episodes. <laughs> but I still recommend watching it because I love it. And then Adventure Time also comes back tomorrow for its final like six episodes, I think. Um, and that is a show that will like surprise you with its comedy, but then will make you cry. And you're like, this show is for nine year olds. Why am I crying? Uh, and over the garden wall, which I rewatched recently and is a limited, like 10, 10 minute episodes on cartoon network. It's like Elijah Wood is the lead voice. It's haunting and weird and funny and like has great music and definitely recommend it. 
Okay, that's what I've been watching. Um, I was like, I have not been watching anything. Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm like, what have I been doing with my time? Um, I'm still rewatching Frasier because I'm <laughs> trash and the show is trash, but I'm enjoying it. Um, and let's see what else. I've been doing a lot of knitting um, just because I, that's the thing I picked, started trying. I started tried it out like in the last couple of years. and I've really been enjoying it. Um, and then um, busy. yeah exactly like I have trouble paying attention to TV like I don't pay attention to TV and I end up like playing on my phone or um, my computer and so and I've been making concerted efforts to stay off um, Twitter and the internet in the evenings and on the weekends like I try not to check in at all um, so knitting helps with that. And then um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, we're rewatching some of the Marvel movies in anticipation of Infinity War. So that's been fun. Um, we watched half of Thor 2 last night and Ryan fell asleep and I got mad because you know how I feel about that movie. He's like, it's so bad. I'm like, I know, but it's so good. And so... Um, um, okay, and then so we're adding a little new section to talk about because I feel like you and I have always got a bunch of stuff going on. So what are we working on, Preeti? What oh, my gosh. Um, so my book is – the book I'm in, the anthology I'm in, is coming out in June, June 26th. You guys should pre-order it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really proud of it. There's some big news coming on that front soon. Uh, and then I have a few sci-fi articles that went live this week. One is – how Jessica Jones, the series, not necessarily the character, but also kind of the character, has failed people of color. Um, so I watched all of Jessica Jones season two last weekend and was pretty disappointed. Um, we don't often talk about things we don't like on the show. If we don't like a thing, we tend to just decide that we're not going to spend time on it. Yeah. Um, But this is one that I watched it and I was so upset at the treatment of people of color that I decided to write about it. So there is an article on sci-fi.com. And in slightly lighter news, they also posted an article I wrote about how Tom Holland is definitely built in a factory because he is too perfect. Yes. Um, Because I am a woman of many tastes. Uh, And lastly, if you are in New York City and you are a writer who identifies as being from a marginalized background, there is something called the Quelly Conference, um, and I will be moderating a panel on graphic novels there. K-W-E-L-I, right? Yes, sorry, K-W-E-L-I. I'm pretty sure tickets are still available. I'll be moderating a panel about graphic novels there, and it's in April, I believe on April 7th, because I think that's a Saturday. Um... So if you're around, you should totally come. Check out the conference. There are a lot of amazing authors who are going to be there. Uh, it's quellyjournal.org, I think, is the URL. And that's it. Okay, let's see. Um, I'm still working on my book proposal. Oh, my God. Why did I want to write a book, Preeti? Like, why? <laughs> um, it's fine. Um, it's, it's going. So I don't think I've really even talked about it much on the podcast. So I am writing a book proposal. It's nonfiction. That's, you know, that's really all I've said about it. Um, because I just, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but I have an agent who is amazing and she has been guiding me through rewriting my proposal because we're doing a different angle, but it's a lot of, it's it's a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm not going to even lie. Um, so that is taking up most of my time. Um, but I also re, started I have a newsletter um it goes out once a week and it's just basically um I don't know it's like it's just like space news so like some of it is articles I wrote but I try to balance it out with articles other people wrote as well so it's not just like this is what I wrote like this past week on space news and it's kind of like a one newsletter to give you like to kind of give you a comprehensive view of like what's going on in space so space science like what's going on with our space program space tech all of that stuff so, um, um, yeah, so you can sign up. It's, it's called give me space, tiny slash give me space once a week, twice a week, uh, or once a week, once every two weeks, depending on like how my schedule's going. And then besides that, I'm just doing a lot of space journalism these days. You can, I'm most of my work is at Engadget, but I'm freelancing as other places as well. So yeah, I mean, I tweet out most of what I write. I just had an article go live on Lonely Planet. 
Um, yeah. Which is fun because I've been reading Roll Only Planet forever. And I'm like, oh, now I wrote there um, on like how to see a rocket launch if you're interested in for kind of like if you're not a space nerd and kind of don't know how to navigate that. Um, so, yeah. So, no, it's been fun. L- big adventure. So, um, and then to plug our podcast network, we're part of the um, um Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. Po- Hard Knock Life Podcast <laughs> Network. It's a network of podcasts from people of color, and you should mm-hmm. check out all of our fellow podcasts because they're amazing. It's true. Um, and then Patreon. Thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to Fazia and Mer- Meredith Smith at the $10 level and Martha, Brandy, Rahul, GeekHeartGames.com, Jordan, Annie, Megan, Claire, Brian, Robert, Gayathri, Maya, and the Not Family at the $5 level. Ah, you guys are all so awesome. I know. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DaisyGeekGirls, and I am at RunWithSkizzers. And I am at S. Krishna. Uh, and obviously as always, please rate us on iTunes. If you like the show, we love hearing from you guys. Um, a few of you have sent in just like really, really Uh, lovely emails and notes that make us cry. And, and if if you sent one in and we haven't responded, it's because you made us cry and we don't know how to respond. Not because we think you're stupid for responding. And we, this reminds me, we really do need to, or we do need to respond. We love hearing these things from you and it's just like overwhelming because some of you put so much emotion into the stuff yes. you send us and we really appreciate it and we started this as a way to like be able to talk to each other more and now it's really nice that other people like what we're doing yes so thank you immensely um until next time i'll see you we'll in see hell, you in hell. <laughs>